1: Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm here with our very special guest, Dr. Temple Grandin. Good morning, Dr. Grandin. Great to be here, Great it's to be wonderful, here. wonderful to have you here, and we're so excited. We're live right now. I know we started calling this Temple Grandin Tuesdays, and sometimes we show uh, interviews that we've done with you before, Dr. Mm-hmm. Grandin. So I just want to tell everybody, we're, I want to tell everybody the date so they can tell when we're live. We are. This is Tuesday, December. 15th, 2020. Uh, And so we are live this morning. There are many different ways that people can interact. Right now, if you're watching us live, you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Periscope. And you can write in, in any of those platforms, your questions, and they will show up here on our screens. Uh, So that's a really wonderful thing. Later on, you can watch this in podcast on all of those sites, plus places like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Ghana, iHeartRadio, Deezer, just about any place that there are podcasts, we are available as a free download. So check that out later on. Plus, you can find all the un- other interviews that we have done with Dr. Grandin. And in fact, on our YouTube, there is a playlist that's just, you can go right there and see all the times that we have had the wonderful opportunity to have her with us. But Dr. Granon has donated her time this morning to, to be here. We've got a lot of questions that people sent in ahead of time. Okay. I know it's always disappointing for folks. We'll, you know, we'll see how we get through it. But uh thrilled that you are here, Dr. and I'm so grateful that you've given us this time. I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to jump right into questions. Okay, that's fine. No problem. Okay. So Denise wants to know, what was the hardest part of the holidays for you as a child? And do you have any advice on how to help our kids deal with some of the holiday challenges like schedule changes, lack of therapy, sensory overload? Well, um uh, we had two parts of Christmas. We had a small family Christmas,
0: and then we had a big family Christmas, you know, with a lot of relatives over at another house. And we had some rituals I really liked of Christmas. We'd decorate the tree, and everybody would take turns one at a time until my sister and my brother and I on putting ornaments on the tree. That was something I really liked. You know, I you know I really looked forward to Christmas. Then we'd have a big Christmas party. And um sometimes I get a little overwhelmed, but there was another guest bedroom where I could go in and play with some little special toys that my grandmother had. And I I liked that. But I was not one of the kids to have the horrendous sensory overload with all kinds of uh uh, you know, the noise. I mean and our Christmas parties were, you know, fairly tame. Uh you know so i basically really liked christmas It was one of my favorite holidays but the thing i remember really liking is we'd have special ornaments i so had little glass birds with clamps on the feet that we put on the tree and we and we took turns it would take like two hours to decorate the tree because the children had to take turns putting ornaments on then the grown-ups would you know mom and dad would put them on the top of the tree where we couldn't reach and we stand on the sofa could get a little bit higher up and get them on the tree i remember that is something that i really enjoyed doing those kind of rituals can be good, and then also not having surprises. That's the other thing: surprises scare. And then if I got a little overwhelmed when I was at one of the other houses, um, I could go in the guest bedroom and play with a little magnetic uh, fishing set and a squ- wind-up squirrel that um, that hopped.
1: Well, it sounds like part of the recipe for success was that there was always a place that you could go and play quietly if it yes, got I too was. much for you. Well, and uh, the other that's thing cool. they would
0: let me do, there was a big hallway and the other place you went with a mirror at the end. And I liked to run down that hallway and watch myself get big in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something I liked to do. Um, but having a place where I could go, that was helpful. And, and it was pretty much the same every year. There were like two different places we went to uh, for the big party.
1: So no surprises and, and a place where you can go to have some quiet.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, what would happen when we'd go to my grandmother's house is my grandfather was the engineer who was co-inventor of the autopilot for airplanes. And I'd go in the study and he'd be there smoking his pipe and he'd answer my science questions. Why is the sky blue? Why do why tides go in and out? Grass is green. Why? How do airplanes fly? And he would just explain it.
1: I love that. I love that.
0: And I, that. And, uh, I think I, he wasn't that big on the parties either. Favorite books as a child. Uh, yes, this guy, Black Beauty was one of my favorite books. Another favorite book when I was about third or fourth grade was a book about famous inventors. I love that book, reading their biographies and uh, Thomas Edison, Elias Howe, and the sewing machine. And that's in my book, uh, Calling All Minds. This profiles a lot of uh, famous inventors. And, I gotta... and uh, those are some real favorite books, but I
1: also love The Wizard of Oz too. Okay. I have to say about your book, Calling All Minds, each year Autism Live puts out a toy and gift guide um, and it's available on our website right now. Just as we pick things that we think would be great gifts and we picked your book and gave it an award this year. In each each category we have, we have different subcategories. So in the caregiver category, uh, your book won the best STEAM gift because we think that if a, a caregiver, uh, a parent or a caregiver gets that book, they'll be able to learn all about uh, how their child might be ignited by doing STEAM activities. Because you tell them about some of the things, the activities that well, you the project about. in the book range from very
0: simple, like cutting out a paper snowflake. This is one of the projects right here. And or making a really simple paper airplane. And when I did a book signing for this book uh, two years ago, I found out that in Colorado, the outside of Denver, that about 20 or 30% of the kids had never made a paper airplane. Mm-hmm. They were totally separated from hands-on things. So those are the simple projects. But also in the book, the, um, I, in, in, in Calling On Minds, I've got um, my optical illusion room. It's actually called the Ames Distorted Room. And I have a drawing and instructions for making that. Um, so they range from real simple things And I think kids are getting too worried about making mistakes. I had a teacher. I showed this on a Zoom conference. It's a little ripped right now. I need to make another one. And I had a teacher ask me in all seriousness, "What would happen to a kid's self-esteem if the snowflake was done wrong and it fell apart?" I'm serious.
1: And (laughs) I said,
0: "I'm not kidding. I am not kidding." And that's during COVID. This is real recent. Uh, It was on, you know, right here, you know, home doing a Zoom conference. And I said, you get another piece of printer paper. It's just a piece of printer paper. And you try again. And then if you still don't know how to do it, then I want you to look it up yourself on YouTube because I'm sure there's videos on how to do it. And, yeah. and but they're getting too, so afraid to make a mistake on
1: something it's like this. He, he so can you can learn so much about problem solving by well, failing.
0: that's it. And And you learn from your mistakes and you're just wrecking a piece of printer paper. Now, yeah. I remember when I was uh, about 12, I ruined a sewing project. That was a lot more serious than printer paper. And I got in a hurry and I cut the fabric wrong. And I was making a pair of pants, a beautiful dress pants. My mother, it's a lovely fabric and I cut it wrong and we didn't, there was no way to get more fabric. And, and this is way before there was, there was no online stuff in those
1: days. And I learned be more careful. That's what I learned. What an important lesson. What an important lesson, and you survived it. Parker wants to know, do you have any advice for young self-advocates who are on the spectrum working jobs but finding some of the day-to-day social and sensory issues a little bit overwhelming? Well,
0: first of all, let's break it down as to where the problem is. Now, one of the things we need to teach managers with people on the autism spectrum is um, how to take them into private office and just tell them things they're doing wrong, like, yakking on and on about the same thing over and over and over again. That was one of my problems. And, you know, I started to make a rule. I can tell that story twice and then that's the end of it. And, and I, I... Did somebody
1: take you aside, though, Temple, and say you?
0: Yes, Yes. my very first project. Steelwork. I criticized some welding and I said it looked like a pigeon had doo-dooed on it. And the plant engineer, his name was Harley, took me into his little office in the boiler room in private, told me very calmly, I had to apologize for that. Then he explained that Whitey, that was the name of the welder, was um, they weren't the prettiest welds, but they held. He also explained to me that if I had a problem with the welding, I should have come to him because Whitey was his employee. So he made me go up to the cafeteria and apologize. Now, I didn't tell him I thought the welding was wonderful. I just, I uh, apologize for the rude talk, but he told me what I should do. He was the perfect job coach. What's the noise that's going on?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm not hearing it. Are you hearing a noise? Yeah, I'm hearing a noise like a hairdryer or something. Oh no, uh, it might be a little bit of feedback. I'll turn my speakers down a little bit and then hopefully that'll help. It's um, still it's not everything here. It might be your speakers um, feedbacking mine, but I'll tell you what I'll do. When you're talking, I'll mute, and maybe that'll help. Does this help? Still there. It sounds like a lawnmower. Oh, I don't I don't know what it is, Temple. Uh, we're oh, not I hearing it, door. and they're not
0: hearing it on the feed. It. Now, the guy next door makes sculptures out of logs, and he's oh. using chainsaw. That's what it is. <laughs> Great timing. It's sound. Okay. That's right. it, there's no way I can get rid of it.
1: Okay. Well, we're not hearing it. It's okay, not good. coming through good. on the feed, so... Uh, We're all good. Uh, Vivian wants to know, uh, she says, thank you for being such a great role model. I wonder if Dr. Grandin could tell us how she is dealing with stress during COVID. Well, one of the things is having a schedule.
0: Get up in the morning, get dressed, take a shower and be dressed for work. I'm getting up early every morning. There's no laying around in pajamas, have a schedule, have things to do. It's gotten worse now that it's cold because I was having dinner with my students outside. Now the gazebo is all covered with snow and we can't have dinner. There's like freezing cold out there. And so we even get kind of more isolated, which is not good. Um, but having a schedule, and I think I mentioned on your program before about life on the International Space Station. Yeah. And one of the things they've learned, they get up in the morning, they have a schedule, they all eat together midday meal. And that's one of the things that I really miss is i um, not being able to, um, uh, you know, get together and eat with people. Now the restaurants are closed. Yeah. But you've got to find things to do. That's what you've got to do.
1: Yeah. I, I have to tell you, after you said that, it really made me rethink things as a parent And I talk all the time on the show about doing a visual schedule so that everybody knows what's happening when, and and you can look at it and go, Hey, what's on the schedule. But we weren't, uh, you know, we were eating dinner together, but we weren't eating lunch together. And I changed what we were doing as a result of it. And it really made a difference because I've got a teenager and sometimes he wants to go and do his own thing. And in the moment, it seems like letting him go do his own thing is the thing to do. But what I found is that that's not a good long-term plan. When NASA does, the
0: midday meal, that's the big thing that's on the schedule. Not breakfast or dinner. And they just do the space station on Houston time. They wake them up, midday meal. Everybody, they've got seven of them on the station now. they got to all go float around that table. at a midday meal.
1: And yeah. they'll put the food down. Well, Kira's asked the question, what do you do if you don't know what to put on your schedule?
0: Well, this is where I've, I've i've got writing projects i'm working on another book right now i'm i've got some journal articles to do i've been doing a lot i've been reviewing a lot of papers I, i've got to have things to do yeah so i've actually gotten back on the drawing board i just designed a, a veterinary clinic um, cattle handling facility for a university and then my next meeting is with them to discuss the drawing well i'm drawing a miniature now on printer paper they take just as long to draw as the big drawings. Wow! Do so you I'm back doing drawing now? Where normally I had other people do that, I'm doing it now. Uh, I've worked on like three design projects since uh, COVID started.
1: Are and you enjoying I'm, the drawing?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I like doing them. Two of them, I was able to go to the places, and it was it was before the COVID got so bad. Wonderful. Uh, but you've got to have things to do. Let's use that time to teach life skills, learn a new skill.
1: Let's do that. Let's learn a new skill. Wonderful. Latoya wants to know, my son is six and is into trains. That's all he wants to do is play Thomas the Tank. I want to encourage his, his interests, but how do I get a love of Thomas to turn into something that isn't little kid stuff? All right. A train is a train.
0: Let's start. Let's broaden that out into on um, on uh, uh, real trains. You know, let's start studying real trains. You see that as a relationship to Thomas. Yeah. Let's do math with trains. We can learn about how locomotive actually works. You see, this is how I'm getting uh, a train interest there and I'm broadening it so it's not so fixated. Yeah. That that's great what you can do broaden it. Now somebody else here is asking about a kid that's um dealing with um ADHD. I don't know the age of the kid. This is something I like to know. I like to know am I dealing with a six-year-old here or 12-year-old? Least,
1: yeah, Lisa, can you tell us how old she says hi to both of you? I was just wondering, my son is high functioning, autistic, and ADHD. What advice do you have for virtual school learning for him? I have trouble with him focusing and whining, but let us know what how old he is. Well, I understand. want to know. Like, I find that I,
0: I, seven. Uh, seven. Okay, so it's a little kid. All right. Then I'm, I, and they're the ones that are hardest with the virtual learning. I mean, this is one of the reasons people have, um, I you know, thinking. when you look at the vaccine distribution now, I've been reading that. Boy, it's all, of, everybody agrees hospital workers should get it. Everyone agrees old folks should get it. But once you get beyond that, it's going to be a giant fight on who gets it. And, and one of the things I would prioritize, low-income areas, teachers, get them vaccinated, get them back in the classroom with these younger kids. And the seven-year-old would be in that bracket because online doesn't work very well with little kids. Yeah. They, need, they need people. And our little nursery school just across the streets open it. I really like seeing the little kids there. Yeah. playing and doing doing the normal stuff. I talked to a second grade teacher, that's seven years old, two weeks ago. Um And uh, she can't get half her second graders to log on. And they're in a low income area. And he calls the parents. Uh, they probably don't have internet access. It's just a mess. And these are the, the kids we need to be getting back
1: into the classroom. And- what are the- until we can get there, I don't mean to interrupt you, it's hard on Zoom oh, sorry. sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot. But, um, but uh, until we can get there, one of the things that we've been advocating and I'd love your opinion about is that frequent breaks and for those yes. breaks to be away from the screen and yes. physical. Yes, I would agree with that. I okay. would agree with it, physical breaks. And And like, you know, we've been telling people to turn your living room into an obstacle course and do time trials and have them push the furniture around because I just I think that these kids, there it's not good for them to be sitting still so long oh, okay. and we've got to be active. Well, we've got to get them out doing things. That's why, my. though when we
0: we had two different houses that we went to, one was a fifth floor apartment that had uh, stairs. I was allowed to play beat the elevator, five <laughs> floors, beat the <laughs> elevator. Uh, when we went to Granny's. And I, I was allowed to play beat the elevator running down the school. I always beat the elevator. I but love that, your mother. But that's a bunch of exercise. And then the other house, we had this big, long hallway. And I was allowed to run in the hall and then or go in another room. And we had formal dinners. And I had to be there for 20 minutes of it. And if I asked to be excused before dessert was served, then I didn't get dessert. I wanted dessert. It was just very calmly done. Uh, I think your
1: mother's a genius. A longer. But your but your mother is amazing just to play the game with you of beat the elevator. Now she's giving you something to do so that you'll be worn out by the time you oh, get up there. I, I always beat the elevator. And I
0: was only allowed to do it when we came, when we left, because I'm sure I made a lot of racket on those stairs. <laughs> the other apartments would have heard it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Okay, that George.
0: Something that's that's easy to do. Um, Somebody here has a four-year-old who's nonverbal. Um, I became verbal by age um, four. Now, the thing I've got to ask is, is, they getting any progress? I always ask, are you getting progress on speech? Because when I was three, it was obvious that I had some progress and that my speech was, uh, was slowly coming in. Then there's a point where you're not gonna get speech. And there are some kids that can learn to uh, type independently, um, that can type independently, and and I know they're not being cued, they're not, uh, they are typing completely independently. And they describe a sensory disordered world, one of them is Tito Mucapatahe. how can I talk if my lips don't move? I want to answer the question about the full screen i do not want to crash the internet connection no, that, that was really for me good. you
1: don't have to worry about that, that way, was, yeah. the
0: internet connections are too weak for that um,
1: uh, you're fine that was for me temple you don't have to worry about that okay but, but, uh but yes yeah. um you were saying about uh the you know some people won't speak and that some is people a reality are not gonna speak.
0: and and
1: Tito Makapatahe looks really,
0: uh, you know, can't control his movements, running all around, flapping. And um, he has a book called How Can I Talk If My Lips Don't Move? And um, it's available on Amazon. And the way I tested him to make sure that he wasn't cute is I found a picture. It was, we were in a library of an old scientific American. His mom couldn't possibly have seen it. And it showed a picture of an astronaut in a spacesuit riding a horse in the desert. And I put that down in front of Tito. And I said, tell me about this picture. And he writes a Apollo 11 on a horse really fast on the on keyboard, gets up, jumps around. There's no way that could have been cute. He typed it so fast. And she was Absolutely. not touching him. Uh, and and it's, you want to use a tablet. And the reason for a tablet is that when you type on the virtual keyboard, the print appears right next to the keyboard so that you don't have to look up. A lot of them can't make the attention shift. That you're going to have to make on a desktop or a laptop unless you put the keyboard up on a
1: box you know up by the screen yeah absolutely Hey, george wants to know we're getting ready to tell our son about his diagnosis how do you uh how did you find out that you were on the spectrum and do you have any suggestions for us well i i just kind of knew i was kind of different i um, you gotta
0: remember how because of my age when i was very very young they didn't the neurologist didn't even know what autism was, and so I was originally just diagnosed minimal brain damage. Then the autism came on a little bit later, and I we were still in my uh, era in the Betelheim mess and all of that. Mm. It was a totally different situation, but the problem I'm seeing with a lot of kids now is they're becoming their label, where their label's becoming their whole identity. Now my identity when I was a little kid was fly kites and little airplanes and go build stuff. That's what I liked to do when I was a kid. Oh, and by the way, people are home during COVID. Home Depot's business is booming. Yeah. They, Because people are doing home improvements, gardening. I was just reading an article about the UK and people are finding ancient coins in their garden. I was just reading an article about that
1: in the UK. That's cool. That's cool. Very cool. Uh, well, you know, uh, this. Nora Ephron, who was a wonderful screenwriter, she, you, you made me think about this. Uh, she always used to say that in different times of your life, there are different words that describe you. And it was a, a test that she would give people. She would say, what are the five words that describe you? And when you were talking about children now and young adults are identifying themselves. And I, I, I have some friends who the first word that they would say about themselves would be autistic um and then other friends who are on the autism spectrum who don't even use that word and don't use it to describe themselves if you okay. were to pick five words to describe you would autistic be in the five words well scientist is certainly going to be first love it
0: uh, uh inventor scientist probably for professor of animal science uh, career is how i define myself and I've worked with a lot of undiagnosed people on the spectrum on the construction projects that we worked on, mainly steel and concrete construction and machinery. And about 20% of the people I worked with back in the 80s and the early 90s were either autistic, dyslexic, stutterers, or ADHD. Yeah. And they're not being replaced. And and I think one of the worst things the schools ever did was taking the skilled trades out of the schools. You know, the yeah. high-end skilled trades like plumbing, electrical, um, and air conditioning welding Yeah, you know they've got this stuff in the community college but you need to be exposing kids younger we've got kids growing up that never use tools and these people are not getting replaced we're actually no. needing skills there's some stuff we don't know how to build anymore like poultry processing plant for example yeah. and it has to do with taking skilled trades out of the schools 25 years ago really well, i think
1: this sort of feeds into our next question Beirut wants to know Dr. Grannon, what kinds of toys ignited your imagination when you were a child? I loved anything that flew. Kites, wind-up airplanes. Um, in Calling
0: All Minds, I um, have my parachute project where I figured out how to use bent coat hangers to uh, spread the strings apart so it would open more easily when I chucked it up in the air. I used to fly all kinds of kites. And I just loved uh, that kind of stuff. That's things I really liked. I also really enjoyed toboggans and sleds and all of that that kind of outdoor you know, winter outdoor activity.
1: When we were doing the toy guide, I don't know if you remember, I I had a conversation with you and I had asked you sort of this question and and you had said the thing about anything that flies in a kite, so we included a really good kite that's sort of a foolproof kite in in the toy guide. And I also asked you what your favorite games were, and we included those in there. Do you remember what your fav- what you said your favorite games were as a child? A little kid, uh, they didn't have little kids' board games right after the war, so. Well, I meant a little bit older,
0: yeah. Yeah, they only uh, well, played parcheesi, Chinese Checkers. Those were board games. I had one of those hockey games where the players move in and out. That was one of my favorite things. We used to just fill the whole hockey rink up with marbles. <laughs> and, then, and then do it. We thought that was a lot of fun. But that was one of my favorite things when I was in elementary school was this hockey, table hockey set.
1: I love that. And, well, uh, on that day, you told me Monopoly and Scrabble, that those
0: were your yeah, favorites. I liked Scrabble. Monopoly, we never managed to finish a game of Monopoly. Scrabble, I really liked.
1: <laughs> we're but, cutthroat. We can always finish Monopoly. Somebody always is we the big never got, We never ever finished Monopoly. We I love been it. we going for several weeks and... Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh,
0: what about puzzles? Did you ever do puzzles on the dining room table? Yeah, we sometimes did some puzzles. Yeah, I have a huge puzzle family. My mother is very artistic, and I can remember her working with us making Halloween costumes and oh. and all kinds of fun stuff like that. I remember one time getting big balloons and put paper mache on the balloon uh, to make a mask, a big ball mask you put over your head. And then we'd paint them with poster paints. and.
1: Oh, I loved all that stuff. Uh, right now, we're getting ready. Uh, one of the things that we put in the toy guide, uh, a company named Rebbit does puzzles, but they're 3D puzzles. So you're building a structure, and a lot of them are Harry Potter uh, themed. So you have to build a puzzle. So it's kind of like a cross between a puzzle and a rector set, and you build Diagon Alley. Oh, the next door
0: neighbors had a really wonderful old-fashioned rector
1: set. Oh, yeah. Uh, the old
0: fashioned one where you had little bolts and stuff on it, had a little motor, and we loved that. That was oh, that's the, cool. in the next door neighbor's house.
1: Mitch wants to know Did you like how you were portrayed in the movie Temple Grandin? I thought they did a very good job. They
0: showed visual thinking really accurately. And in a lot of my talks, I've talked about um, I'm, uh, how I'm a visual thinker. I think in pictures, the movie shows that absolutely accurately. Then there's other kids, they're more of a mathematical thinker. They think in patterns. It's a more visual, spatial, to think graphs, patterns. And then you got your word thinkers. These are the kids that love history, or they love the facts about their favorite you know, movie stars, baseball teams, uh, basketball teams. Uh, those are kind of the different kinds of, of
1: thinking. But you liked Claire Danes, what she did? When I, she was I when... thought Claire Danes did a
0: great job. I gave her old VHS tapes from the late 80s and early 90s and she that's played awesome. them on they put them on dvds for her, and she played them over and over again and and she became me and yeah. all the projects i did are real the projects now there's some stuff they had to compress and change around and make a two-hour movie work but the main characters i thought were very nicely presented
1: yeah it's wonderful we all love it saru wants to know i'm curious to know if dr grannon feels that she has been more discriminated against for being a woman or being an autistic and how did she overcome this discrimination oh being a woman in the early 70s when
0: i first started working in feedlots being a woman was 10 times worse than autism autism never even came up it was being a woman and then when i finally um, you know got some jobs i remember i worked for a construction company for a year and a half they one of the vendors had a a, a client appreciation party I was told since I was a woman, I absolutely could not go. Yep.
1: Yeah. Wow. 74. Wow. Yeah. And it's and now five. temple, do you now, is it still equal and
0: even or, or yeah, I think way better now? Uh, like when I did animal science and this would be uh, in the early seventies, there were very few women now, 80% of the class is women. And, and we're getting lots of women going into the industry. Now Yeah, uh, I have students that are management positions at beef meatpacking plants you know things are are have changed a whole lot compared to the 70s but Uh, and the scene where they put the bull testicles on my car that happened that's really
1: that that is true but now i know the last time you were on the show you were talking about a friend who was trying to get their pilot's license and couldn't because that's pure that was autism discrimination you see this gets into whether you should disclose
0: and I'm all through my career I never disclosed. Wow. I would say things like with something with secret, I need to make a pilot's checklist. Let me just write down and make a checklist of how to work this machine or how to set up the dairy equipment. I yeah. I but there's still enough if I would suggest if you're really stable in a job, I would not disclose. Okay. But other things you get people where they're a bit more obvious, yeah, you, then probably a good idea to disclose. But unfortunately, um, here's another discrimination thing. About two months or three months ago, I had lunch with a with a family, a young man in his 30s, who for five years had a really good outdoor technical job. I can't identify it. And uh, he disclosed and I got rid of him. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, 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 I, it's terrible. I, it is uh,
1: terrible. And, and we should say it is illegal. It's immoral. It's wrong but I appreciate you giving you know the truth to people that they need to protect their jobs. Well, the other, uh, the other thing I'm gonna to recommend to everybody is you protect your portfolio
0: because when you're different, you need to show your work. Now I know I think on this program before I showed off some of my drawings. Yeah. And when I the way I would sell a job is I just would lay the drawings out on the table just like I showed in the movie, put pictures of jobs out there and uh, brochure and some trade magazine articles. It was sell the work. So let's yeah. say you're doing work for somebody. Well, there's programming. You've got to keep stuff for your portfolio, period. And you keep it at home and you keep it in hard copy.
1: Okay. Because
0: if you leave suddenly, you've got to have portfolio to get your next job. Then you have the whole problem of what if it's confidential? Well, what I'm going to do with that, I can break it up in little pieces and I can put it on an iPad and stick it in their face, eyes only. Yeah. I won't let them have it. But, Good uh, point. But you've got to have... Um, I've heard sad stories about this was about 20 years ago, a lady that uh, worked uh, on uh, designing stuff for cars. And all she had for a portfolio was some obsolete disk drive thing. That was unreadable. (sighs) No, you put it in hard copy, paper copy, and on electronic flash drive or whatever. Yeah. And because you all so you've always got
1: portfolio for your next job. Uh, It's great information. Sally wants to know, do you meditate? And if not, how do you cope with compulsive thoughts? Well, uh, well, I've been on um,
0: antidepressant medication since my early 30s. And it stopped all the colitis attacks. And if you want to read about that, I'd recommend just reading my experiences and thinking in pictures. I have a whole chapter on anxiety. Antidepressant drugs saved me. Now, a lot of people, I had somebody ask me now the other ways to calm down, (laughs) exercise, vigorous exercise, also, um, uh, uh, you know, meditation, mindfulness training. These are all things to help you to calm down. But my anxiety was so bad that I had nonstop colitis. And when I went on the antidepressants, uh, the colitis pretty well stopped my nervous system was just so ramped up, um, anxious.
1: Sorry, I had a coughing fit. I apologize and so I, I muted. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Candice wants to know, Temple, did you ever consider having children and did you ever babysit? No, I did not babysit and I've just always been single. Wonderful. Heather wants to know, I have a four-year-old daughter who's hyperlexic and autistic. She has struggled with pragmatic communication and, and not potty trained yet. She loves to learn and finds interest in things above her age level. She reads on a second grade level. Favorite book is the dictionary. Yeah. Should we continue to allow her to learn such a variety of things, or should we focus more on structured learning environment? Well, I want uh, if a if a kid can read,
0: give them harder books. If they're good at math, give them harder math books and and get and give them the old fashioned. Out math books, give them old fashioned math books, not this new stuff and move them ahead. But on the other hand, we've got to learn basic skills because I'm seeing problems like a 16 year old student that might be an honor student on the spectrum who's never gone shopping by himself. That's totally ridiculous. So we've got to learn basic skills, but I'd move them ahead on the, the, um, uh, where, where they have skills, you know, and I would like, try to let's get some, let's broaden that out. Is there anything in the dictionary that particularly interests him? And then maybe we can learn more about that subject. Now, another parent here on the chat that's got a six-year-old son obsessed with um, ceiling fans and car keys. Well, um, well, you can learn how a fan actually works. You know, you've got mechanical stuff there. You've got, uh, uh, you know, math stuff, how many rotations it does. You see how I'm taking, that interest in a fan and I'm broadening it out.
1: One of the things that we loved when my son was little, there was, there's a show and I know it's still available online called how it's made. Yes, and Every, every single episode, they show you a thing and sometimes it's something that, you know, and other times it's not, but they'll take you through all the different parts of the factory and they show each, part of the fabrication and how they put it together and sometimes there's a voiceover that explains what's happening but we watched that every day my son was glued to it and um you know it, like he would want to take things apart and when we could we let him take things apart then we want to encourage putting them back together so what that's that was the hard what thing what you gotta do
0: <laughs> is when you take it apart line up the parts ah so that you now will remember the order they go back together
1: Oh, see, I needed you then, Temple. That's what you want to
0: do. You want to line up the parts in an organized way so then when you put it back to order in the same order. It'll be more obvious how the parts go back together.
1: I remember standing with you at NASA and you were talking about taking something apart and how they have the sticky mats at NASA so that they could stick the parts to it. I just had a flash of a memory of that. Well, that that would do that in weightlessness too, so they're not
0: flowing around. I'd, Exactly. Just have a little sticky thing to put them on, because you you can't put a piece of Velcro on a small part. So that makes you know total sense to do that. You know sometimes the solution to a problem is is fairly simple.
1: Yes, Mary wants to know. I have two boys on the spectrum. My question to Temple is: Should I reach out to the local college for a mentor to help my 19-year-old son? He's in the higher functioning side, but he has a hard time finding a girlfriend, which he's so desperately looking for. Please help with your thoughts, thank you. Well,
0: when marriages have been successful, it's usually through shared interests. You know, like two computer programmers get together. You know, my friends in high school and a few places where I was not bullied was friends who shared interests. Riding horses, electronics, you know, the shared interest um, uh, sort of thing. Okay, another parent here is talking about a young kid that wants to line up blocks.
1: What you have to do with
0: some of these activities like that, turn it into a turn-taking game. Because it's extremely important to teach the little kids how to take turns. That was drilled into me, absolutely drilled into me to do turn-taking. And you have to learn how to wait and take your turn. And my speech teacher had a lot of emphasis on that. So you could do, let's say he's lining up blocks of different colors. Let's take turns lining them up. So you turn it into a little turn-taking game that gets social interaction.
1: Wonderful. Uh, Carol says, my son had to distance learn since the end of last year and he loved it, mostly with his math class. But what advice do you have for educators to help keep their students engaged and how are you doing this with your classes?
0: Well, I discovered the flip classroom before I knew what it was because I did one disastrous PowerPoint online so what we ended up doing was um, putting the power the PowerPoint lectures up on uh, recorded. They can watch them, turning the class into discussion of the PowerPoint. In other words, use the live class period for discussion. That's the reason why, like on this broadcast right now, I, I like doing interview format because I yeah. found that that works better online. And I said, yes, you're responsible for everything in that lecture, especially the text on those slides. You're responsible, so you better look at them. Otherwise, you're going to have trouble with the final exam. I also found that a good online class is three times more work because we had our discussions, but then we also had the discussion board. And I was getting on that almost every night for 15 minutes to an hour and a half to answer the posts of 60 students. Right, And they would get to where they wouldn't post anything, so the TA would remind them. And then I was on it for an hour and a half answering. But it's a ton of work to do it right, because I've talked to other students where their online classes have been absolutely awful canned PowerPoint slides read. No professor interaction on the discussion board, you know, on the typed discussion board and no interaction on zoom or Microsoft team or some other platform. I'm I'm not gonna say my online class was the best, but I know it certainly wasn't the worst online class, because I have been taught people have told me about the worst ones.
1: Well, I'm glad you're bringing this up, though, because somebody the other day, you know, I'm a former teacher, and somebody was saying that, one person was saying, I feel so bad for the teachers in COVID. This has been so hard for the teachers. And another person said, why does everybody say that? I don't understand that. They've got it easier than everybody else. They're not in the classroom. They're not having to deal with the behavior. They just have to have their lesson plans. And I think you just gave the master class and why it is so hard for teachers, because well, if they hard. do it right, it's more.
0: I talked to a second grade teacher two weeks ago, and you know, if this program's watched in the future, that would be you know um, during COVID, right? And half her second grade class is not logging in at yeah. all, yeah. and she tries to call the parents and they don't answer. Yeah. So half her class is getting no lessons because they haven't even logged into the site. <laughs> that's atrocious, and that's in a low income area. And uh, that's a very bad situation.
1: It is a bad situation. It's not, it's not equity. I mean, like everybody doesn't have the same opportunity. It's horrible. Um, And hopefully we're not gonna have to do this that much longer.
0: Well, Um, I want to get the vaccines out there.
1: Yeah. But I agree with you. The teachers should be prioritized for vaccines. Well,
0: especially especially younger kids. And if they get vaccine early, they got to get back in that.
1: Yep, absolutely. The
0: other thing with younger kids is they don't spread COVID around as bad as the older ones do. But the I but the younger kids, I mean, I've seen too many kids with autism, um, you know, addicted to video games and they don't go anywhere. Then you got to replace the video games with something else. And there's been some successes with replacing them with car mechanics. Ah, that's three so. cases where car me- the the kid decided this is an older teen or young adult. That car mechanics was more interesting than video games, and but it had to be introduced and introduced slowly, then wean off the video games slowly. Now I'm, I'm going to have to go on another meeting in about oh no. minutes.
1: Okay, uh, we, we're, we're we're I I've got that you've got two minutes left. Is that accurate? No, I can, yeah, I, I could go off another couple of minutes. Okay, so Bonnie wants to know what helped you to build conversation skills. I want to help my seven-year-old to be conversational. He's functionally verbal. He requests with sentences and points. He can answer yes or no so far, but he does not have spontaneous conversation. Well, one of the things that helped me, I got to be a great question asker. You know,
0: why this? Why that? And so I went from not talking at all to maybe too much talking. The other thing that we always did, and this is a real 50s thing. And I think this is one of the reasons why some of the grandfathers that were, you know, uh, didn't have much speech delay, find out they're autistic when the kids get diagnosed, but granddaddy had a decent job as a NASA engineer or some other decent job. Uh, Sit down meals where you take turns telling about your day. That helps to teach conversation. That's a typical 50s upbringing. Okay, let's say I reached across the table for the mashed potatoes, mother didn't scream no, this is typical fifties. She'd say, ask your sister to pass it. If I went over to the next door neighbor's house, we had a sit down meal and I stirred my drink with my finger. She'd say, use the spoon. They would give the instruction. And that was done with all kids in the fifties. That was a normal fifties yeah. upbringing. And this uh,
1: I, you know, uh, it's something yeah. it, it takes time to do. Yeah. Uh, Well, but I, I, again, I'm going to say how much I love your mother because uh, she, she was doing things that we can all learn from. I I love, that was so pivotal to me when my son was young and you said, don't say no to him. Tell him what to do. It's very hard to do no.
0: Yeah, it's telling, it's telling him what he should do instead of screaming no. That's, tell
1: him what he should do. Do call. Exactly. That's what was done with me. I think this might be our last question. Jenny wants to know what is your opinion of the RPM, the rapid prompt me- uh, program? It's the only way my severely autistic adult can communicate with us. If it works, this is the engineering mentality.
0: You do stuff that works. Cheetah what had that method. He types independently. What happens with him after he typed Paul 11 on a horse, he then had to run around and flap before I could ask him another question, because it takes tremendous effort to screen out the sensory jumble. And uh, the thing that you have to make sure is is the typing truly independent. There's another book coming out that I got sent a review copy about a girl named Emily. And she, uh, there's the review copy. It's not out yet. I just got a review copy. Um, I have uh, been buried under the dust, and I She's typing independently. In fact, I talked to the mom, and we went over all the things to prove independent typing. And and that's the title. I have been buried under the dust. Yeah, that's the title. I have been buried under the dust. This is a review copy, and uh, it's going to come out, I think, this summer. It's not out yet, but I was, uh, you know, sent it to re- to read, and she does. She does has beautiful writing. Yeah. And but the thing you have to there's all this controversy about the stuff. Bottom line for me is you've got to indicate to me that it is not written by mom or some facilitator or some other person. And
1: And that that, has happened.
0: And that has happened. And I have seen it happen. I saw a person. All right, let's imagine this piece of cardboard right here. The back of of the legal pad is an alphabet card for someone to type on. I've seen a mom doing this with it. That's queuing. You absolutely cannot touch the device. Keto's keyboard was on the table, and her keyboard—it's an iPad on an easel. It's very yeah. important—the device is not touched. And mom was doing this to her sleeve. The other thing you can look at—things like typing speed. She also works with four different people. The writing—I was in I, when I talked to mom—the writing. The editor of the book wanted to edit some of her writing, and mom says no. And I said, good, you don't let the publisher edit that. It's really important that it's her writing. And And, and and the the name of the
1: author- I can tell you
0: another way you can prove it. Valerie Gilper, G-I-L-P-E-E-R, Valerie Gilper. Another way you could prove it, that a facilitator didn't write it, is there's artificial intelligence programs where you could run the writing through and, and show that there's no difference. Also, another thing she told me is they're Jewish. And one of her, her therapists that she works with asked what Shabbat was. Didn't have any idea what it was. It's a Jewish. Uh, well, that's another indicator. If, yeah. if uh, somebody else is the author, they wouldn't be writing about stuff they don't know about.
1: But the writing is beautiful and we need to pay homage to that. Well, because the thing,
0: is, the thing is, is that some of these people that are nonverbal, they have like a locked in syndrome. Sensory jumbling. She describes the same kind of sensory jumbling that Tito describes, that Carly mm. describes. That's another one. Carly's voice. And then there's Noki, the Japanese boy. The reason I jump. Yes. And then go the down seven red. times, get up eight. That's this right. so these are verified to type independently. But I was at a conference last year, and they were moved. Had this alphabet board moving around. I, I want to promote tablets as the thing to type on.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and, and I. I don't care. You lay it on the table, put it on an easel, cannot touch the thing they they, that they communicate on the device. Mm -hmm. Very important. You don't touch that. Another thing, you look at the speed of typing. Cheeto types so fast, there's no way she could be cute. Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing is we've got some people that look horribly challenged that actually have a locked in syndrome where there's a good mind inside there. Yeah. And then there's others where, the facilitator was the author that's the problem yeah one of the things i did that i told the mom i said i want an appendix in this book with bullet points prove that she's typing independently she says well they're they're scattered around the book i had to look for them right but you're convinced
1: but you're convinced that it's really her her voice
0: independent and i gave a blurb for this book how wonderful how wonderful I i had to be convinced it's independent yeah. And my son, I said, "How's the? Where's the iPad?" She said, "It's on an easel on the table." Yep. She likes not an iPad, not one down on the desk.
1: Dr. Grandin, I know you got to go. Can you just briefly show us a couple of your books? I know you got a couple laying around well, the table. The, um one of my one of my newer books is the uh, Way I See
0: It. That's my most general book on autism. A lot of little short chapters. We just updated this uh, last year. Covers a wide variety of things. And uh, including there's a chapter in there about Tito, and and when Tito came to visit me, Mom says Tito can tell wants to tell you about autism. I said we're not talking about autism. So I pulled in, uh, there's a big stack of Scientific Americans. I went to the bottom of the stack, pulled out a magazine, opened it up, and there's this weird ad with an astronaut on a horse. And I said this, is what I put it in front of Tito, and I just said, tell me about this picture. And he went boom, 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 Apollo Eleven on a horse.
1: Wow! And
0: real fast, and then he got up and ran around and and flapped.
1: Amazing! No
0: do. I don't want to make you late I to your appointment. I, I didn't know about the picture until I pulled it out of the out
1: of the bottom of the stack. I hadn't seen it either, That's why That's I picked cool. it. it's a Very cool picture, Dembo. We so appreciate all that you do for the community and for being a friend to Autism Live. I know you got to get to an appointment, but. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. You stay safe, OK? OK, well, thank you very much. It's great to be here.
0: And uh, we just want to take on uh, people and help them to be everything that they can be.
1: Yeah. And we'll see you back in 2021, OK? OK. Well, uh, have a good holidays. and You too. Much love to you. All right. I'm gonna... And give our, give our love to your mom as well. Uh, did you leave the meeting? I just X out of this? Yeah. Wanna... yeah. All
0: right. Yeah. What I'll do. Thank, thank uh, you. Bye. We'll leave the meeting. Yeah, bye. All right.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, I had promised her that uh, she has a meeting that starts at the top of the hour, and so I had promised her that she could leave a little bit early. Uh, but how amazing is she and how wonderful it is to be with her. And um, I love that we have the opportunity to do that here uh, on Autism Live on a regular basis. Let me take just a second to tell those of you that if you want to know when Temple is going to be on ahead of time, we kind of call it Temple Grand and Tuesday. And on Tuesdays, a lot of times like we will re-air this episode many, many times. Um, But then we have her on live. And if you want to know when that is, it's really easy. All you have to do is subscribe to our uh, weekly newsletter and we try to, you know, I sent, for the first time in a long time, I sent two newsletters this week. I sent one telling people that, temp, you know, the, the schedule for this week and that Temple Grandin was going to be on it. And the other one, I sent people on the, the list a 50% off coupon so that you could go to that at Asner Family Center, It's a Wonderful Life, and get 50% off your ticket price. We really try not to spam you. We don't give your information to anybody else. But it helps you to know when, uh, what's happening. Uh, so, and when Temple Grandin will be on live. So you can do that right on our website, autism-live.com. If you're there you go on the website, I think it's seven seconds in, a pop-up comes up that says, would you like to subscribe? If you don't want to, all you have to do is hit X. But while you're there, if you want to subscribe, then uh, you know subscribe and that's great. And you'll start to get the newsletter but also check out our playlists and find, you know, we have thousands of video. We've been doing the show for almost 10 years. We're coming up on our 10th year anniversary. Ah, uh, we could have come up with something fun to celebrate that. But um, we have playlists to help you to be able to find the things that you're looking for. So if you just want to see when we've talked with Temple, you have the opportunity to do that. If you want to check out our great segment, Ask Dr. Doreen with Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet, you can search all of the times over 10 years that she's asked questions by topic or by date, whatever, you know, she answers questions. In fact, she'll be with us tomorrow morning. If you have questions, a lot of you were talking about how to build language. Those are perfect questions for Dr. Graham to answer because she's been helping individuals of all ages on the autism spectrum to get language, to build conversation and get to social language. She's been doing that for way longer than I, I can get my head wrapped around because she still looks like a teenager, but she's been doing it for 40 years. So uh, encourage you to check that out. That'll be live tomorrow. But on our website, if you if you're just looking for recipes, like you want to know about diet, there's a whole playlist that's just about recipes. There's crafts. There's everything imaginable because we've been doing this for a long time. So um, so thank you. You know uh, we encourage you to watch in whatever format that you watch, but to subscribe or like or review. Autism Live exists uh, because we have people that back us, in particular, um, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders uh, underwrites us uh, and as well as other folks, but they do the most underwriting. And the way that we encourage them to have is showing that you guys are watching. So we don't have a budget for marketing, we just don't do that. Uh, so we count on you to tell other folks, if you liked this interview with Dr. Temple Grandin, I know I sound like a PBS telethon, right? But but if you liked this interview with Dr. Temple and I want to encourage you to go check out the other ones. But I also want to encourage you to write a review on iTunes. Uh, I want you to tell some, at least one other person, hey, did you know about this? There's this show, Autism Live. It's totally free. It's interactive. You can write in questions. They cover all different kinds of topics. Uh, they, they give voice to all different uh, areas of the autism community. You know, I say our mission here always is to provide inspiration and information to the larger autism community, which of course starts with individuals on the spectrum and then includes everyone who cares deeply about them and loves them and wants to see them get the answers and the opportunities that they deserve, Right, I mean that's what it's all about. We can all disagree about 85 million things, but I think we can all agree about that. So that's our mission. But as I said, we don't market. Um, we, have, we have no marketing budget. Uh, so if you guys can spread the word for us, we absolutely love that you guys do that. I, I love that Mrs. F says wash hands. Yes, it comes down to that. Uh, we made a video a while back that my son actually uh, directed and edited. Uh, about washing hands. It's on our YouTube channel. And if you need help teaching your children to wash their hands, I encourage you to check it out. It's very silly. It's me and my husband being very silly. And if you've ever wondered, you know, what does Shannon's house look like? What does Shannon's husband look like? How crazy are these people? All those questions will be answered. And uh, it's to the tune of the time warp. For those of you, I'm an 80s child. Uh, I was born in the '60s. Let's be real here, but I'm—I was a teenager in the '80s. So, um, in any case, uh, those of you who love the time warp uh, from Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's set to that tune about "Let's wash our hands." Once again, I won't sing for you now. It's bad enough on the video, but we've been told that uh, when when young people and kiddos are watching the video, it helps to have a song to 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 do. And we go through the different steps because, you know, you have the whole thing to washing hands, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys know the steps that you're supposed to uh, wet your hands just a little. We go through this in the video, a pump of soap. And so then you need to lather like prey. Uh, And then you need to wash the backs of your hands and in between your fingers. Then I didn't know this. I'd never known this step of washing hands before. You're supposed to take your fingernails and make circles with your fingernails, cleans both your palms and your fingernails, do the other side, right? Uh, Then you're supposed to do your wrists and then you're supposed to do your thumbs, right? Uh, And then you got to rinse the whole thing off. But the water is supposed to be off during all of that. I didn't know that. And that's how we conserve water, but still get our hands completely washed. So it's all in the video set to the time warp and it's the exact amount of time that you're supposed to wash your hands. And so now we have kids all over the place in the card centers who were singing uh, the tune at the time. Let's wash our hands once again. So uh, check it out. Uh, And Angel, I'm so glad you're here. You made it, but Temple is gone and the show is over. So, uh, but the recording will be available. I just want to take two seconds here to say that tomorrow we have Dr. Doreen Grampuche. She's going to be here with us live, answering your questions in real time. She's a license, uh, she, excuse me, she's a, a clinical psychologist, uh, a BCBAD, and has been working in the field of autism for over 40 years. So she's going to be answering your questions tomorrow, live, same time that Temple was. And then Thursday, we, you know, we've been talking about the toys, but Thursday is the big festival of toys where we're going to talk about all the toys in the toy guide. If you haven't checked it out already, uh, go to autism-live.com, click the toy guide at the top, and you'll see. We particularly paid attention this year because of COVID to toys that are bo- what what I call boredom busters and things. There's only a couple of toys that have anything to do with screen time. And even those toys are so imagination building that are like things where kids can create their own videos um, that I don't count them as screen time. It's technology time. So I encourage you to check those out. The other thing that we've done the last couple of years, because you guys asked for it, I don't know what I'm allergic to today. I've coughed. Now I'm going to sneeze. It's terrible, but excuse me. Um, With each toy underneath it, there's a button that if you push it, it'll take you right to a place like Amazon or something like that, where you could purchase the toy right there. We made it easy for you. We don't get anything We're you know, we don't make a portion on those toys. I do want to tell you though, I do want to tell you, that's not entirely true. Uh, For Club Squishy, there's a coupon in the club squishy surprise. Oh my gosh. How much do I love these things? They are the best squishies ever. And you get them, they come to you a box every month. And then you have several different squishies that you can give as reinforcers to your child. It's the best thing ever. And the squishies have a smell to them. They're addictive and they're all cute. And sometimes for whatever season it is, favorite thing okay and club squishy gave us a coupon so if you put the coupon code in that's in the toy guide i think it's that you get 50 percent off and there they are they're the most adorable thing but i'm telling you you look at them and you go oh well i'm an adult i wouldn't like these i grown up adults on and off the spectrum i bring a box of these in and it's like people lose their minds no one can stop touching them and smelling them there's it's sensory in every way possible. It's good for fine motor. I love me some club squishy. In the toy guide, there's a coupon you get 50% off and they'll make a donation to Autism Care Today to help give iPads to individuals on the autism spectrum. Poop, wig blown. How can it get any better than that? So that's the only place where there's anything that anybody, you know, um, so absolutely love that. Tomorrow, so tomorrow, toy guide, uh, no, Thursday, Tomorrow, Dr. Graham Boucher, Thursday is The Toy Guide, and Friday, last show of the year with Nancy Allspot Jackson, with our special guest, Vince Redmond, licensed marriage family therapist. He'll be answering questions, and we'll try to put this show to bed for 2020. During the break, because we're taking out a, a, basically a three-week hiatus so that we can regroup. We need to regroup here over at Autism Live to bring come back in 2021, bring you better content, better picture, better sound, the whole thing. Uh, during that time though, <clears throat> excuse me, we are going to be showing marathon shows so that you'll have the opportunity. Um, we're going to be showing our, uh, library of Ask Dr. Durant. So you'll have plenty of opportunity to see that. So we'll, yes, thank you. We'll see you manana. Until then, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.